All right, appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter number 19. Acts chapter number 19. And we're laying a groundwork, we're laying a foundational study for the book of Ephesians. And uh, as we do so, these there in Ephesus. And tonight we're going to get a little, more, uh, a little more context of some of the things. Last week we looked at uh, Aquilus and uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, that were there in Apollos. Boy, I almost messed up. I kind of merged all their names there. That was weird. Um, but uh, they, uh, they were there and how Apollos was corrected and continued there. And the ministry actually was uh, continued on and went elsewhere. And so Acts chapter number 19, we're going to pick up. And Paul, the apostle, comes back to Ephesus. And we see his involvement here at Ephesus. So Acts chapter number 19 and verse number 1. The Bible says, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, so Apollos had left and he went off to Corinth. The Bible says, and after that, uh, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said to them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people uh, that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus." When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came, up, came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. Let's stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for your word that we can study, that we can learn from, God, that we can grow. Uh, God, I pray that you would just be with us as we study your word tonight. And God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. And God, as we look at the uh, marks of the ministry here in Ephesus and we learn the history of it, and God, certainly there's a, a wonderful start to the ministry here. And I pray, God, that you would uh, help Help us as we apply these things even to our ministry. And uh, Father, we'll thank you for that. And God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look here in Acts chapter number 19, uh, I want you to notice this, and that is Paul's passion uh, for sincere people. Uh, Paul's passion for sincere people, that's a really long point. Uh, I tried everything to condense it, but it just, you could put Paul's passion, all right? Uh, and that'll be fine. Because we see that Paul comes back. I found it very interesting that Apollos went up to Corinth, and I, I wonder, and it's not recorded for us, but I wonder if Paul ran into Apollos. And I wonder if Apollos told him some of the things that were taking place and, uh, and, and how uh, Priscilla and Aquila had straightened him out there in Ephesus as he was on his way back to Ephesus. And I don't know that any of that took place, but I, I always wonder those kind of things as I read them. But uh, I want you to notice when Paul gets back to Ephesus, uh, notice there in verse number one, the Bible says, and finding certain disciples. I find that fascinating. Uh, I put down there that uh, Paul searched for other people. 
specifically for disciples. The first group of people that he ran into uh, were disciples, the Bible says. Uh, now, disciples of what? The disciples of John the Baptist. Okay, these were not disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the Bible tells us that. Uh, but they knew the baptism of John and they were certainly interested in Christ. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But understand this, that, uh, boy, we ought to be looking for other disciples. We ought to be searching for other people. Uh, and, you know, you find out, uh, I, I used to be a very, uh, I still am rather, a quiet person. And I'm not an outgoing person by nature. That's just not my nature to walk up to people and talk to people. But as I read and study the Word of God, I found that, you know, as you live in this world, people by and large, they don't bite. I'm amazed by that. Maybe you, maybe you already knew that, but, uh, uh, you know, you can find people and actually talk to people. And uh, it was a couple weeks ago, I was sitting and I was waiting for my wife at a store, and, and, uh, and as I was sitting there, um, I, there was a, a lady, and I said, hey, can I sit here? And uh, she was an elderly lady. She was like, yeah, that's fine. And, uh, and I got talking to her, and she saw I was wearing a shirt and tie, and she said, uh, uh, she said do you work here? And I said, no, ma'am, I, I work. I'm a, I'm pastor at Anchor Baptist Church. And uh, she said, oh, and, and so we struck up a little bit of a conversation, and, uh, and I tried to give her a track. She just would not take it. I wasn't having anything to do with that. Uh, but they actually went to other churches, uh, or other, another church, rather. And, and, and the thing is this, that, listen, we ought to be talking to people. Uh, we ought to be finding people and, and talking with them. And the Apostle Paul here, as he was there in Ephesus, the Bible says that he found certain disciples. How did he do that? Hey, listen, he started talking to people. Uh, maybe it was maybe he was walking down the street. I mean, uh, really, in that day and age, uh, people were out and about. They were going to the marketplace. They were they were do, going here and going there, and uh, they didn't have TVs. They didn't have radios. They didn't have internet, and so their form of communication was to go out into the streets and talk to people. And uh, here, the apostle Paul was talking, and and he had a he had a genuine interest in these people. And sometimes uh, we can be very guilty and very bad about only having an interest in people so that we could witness to them uh, or, or so that we can give them some. And listen, that's not necessarily a bad motivation, but what I am saying is we ought to have a sincere and genuine interest in people. Uh, because people uh, need the Lord. And if you're going to have an impact with people, hey, listen, getting to know them and actually taking a sincere, genuine interest in them becomes important. Uh, I'm reminded of the old saying uh, that, that people, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. There's a lot of truth to that. Uh, I was listening to um, uh, some friends of mine, and uh, matter of fact, I've heard this testimony a few times here in our church, matter of fact, uh, of, of just going out to eat, and when the waitress comes to the table and, and just saying, hey, we're Christians, and, uh, and we're going we're gonna to pray for our meal. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? And, and you know what? People open up. Uh, matter of fact, I've heard a few times that, you know, man, I've had a really bad day and this and that and, and how they're really touched because uh, somebody just said, hey, I'll pray for you. You know, when you leave a gospel track after that, don't you think that's going to have a little more impact? 
because you took a genuine interest in that person. You're not asking for anything from them. You're not, you're not trying to take anything from them. You're trying to give them a gospel and taking a genuine interest in who people are becomes important. I believe the Apostle Paul, as he went from place to place, he took a genuine interest in people. And he searched and he found people and he talked with them. And, and we find that in verse number one. Look at verse 2 down through 6. We read it. We won't reread it. But I want you to notice, I think probably uh, the Bible doesn't say real clearly uh, whether they uh, got saved there with Paul uh, or whether they did not. And I could argue the point either way. Uh, so I won't, I won't fill in the, the Bible's blanks. Uh, we'll let God do that, all right? Uh, but I will say this, that, that Paul started talking with them about certain things in the Bible. Hey, listen, we ought to talk about things in the Bible and, uh, and, and just take interest in that. And uh, don't be afraid of, of, of talking to other people who go to other churches and, and just even saying, well, we, you know, we believe this. I had an opportunity this week and I was just talking with someone and uh, actually was on the phone. And, and I thought, well, what do you, I, you guys really uh, do you believe this? And, and I was just asking, not in an argumentative tone, not because I was trying to argue with the guy, but I was curious. I was like, what, what do you guys believe? And, and he started telling me some of these things. And, and I was just curious. I could see the Apostle Paul as he sits down and he takes a genuine interest in these certain disciples. And then he starts questioning them. And, and notice the question that he asks them there in verse number two. Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Now, that's a great question for those first century Christians, all right? That's probably not a good question for today. Uh, I'm just telling you, you'll, you'll, you'll fall off the deep end in Pentecostalism and all of that, all right? Uh, the day you get saved, uh, you receive the Holy Spirit. We understand that. So maybe don't take Paul's question, but uh, certainly take an interest in people. But he asked him, he said, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And listen, you know what Paul was doing? Paul was saying, hey, uh, uh, okay, so you're disciples. Wonderful, great. Uh, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and what do you believe about this? And he started talking about things about the Bible. And, uh, and, and I'm reminded of the verse in Matthew 28, 20 that says this, part of the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Hey, listen, we are to witness but hey, we have a responsibility to teach people the Word of God as well. And listen, uh, don't be afraid of people who, uh, who, who have a different system of belief or go to a different church. I mean, uh, ask them and say, hey, you know, uh, we, we believe this. And uh, do you guys believe that, that, that baptism saves you? Don't be argumentative. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying try to, you know, cause a debate and, and try to be uh, the winner of a debate, but just a genuine interest. I could see the Apostle Paul here being genuinely interested in what these people believed and, and asking them, hey, you know, uh, do you guys have the Holy Ghost? Notice what they answered. Uh, they, they said, hey, we've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. I find that fascinating. Verse number three, and he said to them, what then were ye baptized? Apparently he thought maybe they were disciples of Christ when they said that. But then the further he dug and the further he investigated, he found out 
wait a minute, they were baptized with John's baptism. And, uh, and you read that, and, and I thought this, it's interesting, and I know I've taught them this before as far as baptism. Baptism identifies you with who baptizes you. There's no doubt about it. That's why uh, when, when people come to our church, if you've not been baptized in a Baptist church, then we will baptize you uh, because we want you to be identified with the Baptist doctrines that we believe. And so we will re-baptize people uh, for that reason. And here we have John. Uh, they, they said, hey, we're baptized under John's baptism. And here you have a good definition of what was John's baptism. Listen, uh, we believe in baptism after salvation. Is that correct? Amen. Amen. That's what we believe. And so what was John baptizing for? Because those people, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. Jesus had not risen from the dead yet. So what was John's baptism? Well, the Bible tells us here in verse number four, uh, then, Paul, uh, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should be believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And so uh, here we have uh, those uh, disciples of John that were baptized with a baptism of repentance. And listen, that was a remember that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ. He came to introduce the ministry of Jesus Christ. And what he would do is baptize people and, uh, and say, Hey, listen, uh, the Messiah is coming. The Savior is coming. And very clearly we find in the text that John the Baptist led his disciples to, to believe that, that Jesus Christ would come immediately and that they should believe on him. And as I read all of that, I find it very fascinating because the baptism of John was simply a, a symbolic, hey, when Jesus Christ comes, we want to believe in him. And it was saying, hey, we're stepping away from our faith and we're following the Messiah when he does come. And uh, that's kind of how I look at John the Baptist's baptism. And, uh, and it's very unique and we, we see that very clearly. I want you to notice this as well. As we think about Paul's passion for these sincere people, um, how much time had passed? Well, if they were baptized with John's, John's baptism, that would have been before John was thrown in prison. That would have been before Jesus started his ministry. Jesus ministered for at least three years, three and a half years. We, I didn't calculate the time that had passed since Jesus Christ had died and all the time that had come up. But, but you're talking a minimum of three years ago that they had been baptized and running around following after uh, John's, John's baptism of repentance and, and perhaps uh, looking for the Messiah. I don't know. We have a lot of unanswered questions. But nonetheless, I want you to notice that Paul took an interest in these people. And then notice there that uh, the Apostle Paul did lay hands on them and, uh, and they, they, they received, they were baptized in verse 5 and then they received the Holy Ghost. And again, uh, we understand that the book of Acts is a transitional book. We understand the sign gifts that were given uh, for that time period. By the way, Jesus Christ did a lot of signs. What was the purpose of all that? It was to authenticate his ministry, that he was from God and that he was God. 
And then as he transitioned that over to, to the disciples, then they received that ministry of sign gifts that was for a time that, that, that was to uh, signify to the people, hey, this is a genuine ministry from God himself. And that was what all of that was. And that all kind of phased out throughout the book of Acts. Matter of fact, in the beginning of the book of Acts, you read a lot of things that are taking place. And then towards the end of the book of Acts, you find very few sign, um, signs that are taking place and special miracles that are taking place uh, throughout the, towards the end of the book of Acts. And so I'm just telling you that uh, that, that was one of those. And, uh, and so we see Paul's passion for sincere people. He searched for people, and then, uh, then he uh, desired to teach them the things of God. And listen, as we look at it again, Paul wasn't, I don't believe Paul was just out for strife or contention. Uh, this whole thing, this whole exchange with them uh, seemed like a very peaceful. Uh, Paul was sincere and found these people and thought, man, other disciples and, and, and they're, they're looking for the Christ or they believe in Jesus Christ. And, and, and he found it very interesting. Hey, listen, uh, we ought to have a concern and a passion to find sincere people that maybe even love God. And listen, and, and, and give them the word of God and, and just encourage them in the things of God uh, and understand that. That's what Paul was doing as he went to Ephesus. And so we see Paul's passion for sincere people. Not only that, but I want you to notice in verses 8 through 10, uh, we see Paul's pursuit for souls. Look with me in verse number 8. The Bible says, And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when diverse were hard, uh, but when diver, diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And so we find that Paul, uh, not only was he uh, passionate about finding other believers and other people who weren't sincere about Jesus Christ, but then we find as well that Paul was in pursuit of souls. Now, Paul was a Jew. You know that, I know that. And Paul loved Jewish people. Book of Romans, he said, uh, he said man, I, I wish that I could make a decision uh, for my brethren. I wish that I could be lost if all my bre Jewish brethren could be saved. I mean, that was Paul's love and his compassion for Jewish people. And so we find him going into the synagogue. And, uh, and notice that in verse number 8, that that's where he went. What is the synagogue, by the way? Uh, the synagogue is not the New Testament church. OK, uh, understand that that's different. What is the synagogue? Uh, the concept, the, the idea of the church may have been born out of the synagogue. But after uh, Israel had been taken over, you remember in Israel, what was their primary place of worship? It was the temple. That's where they went. That's where they did sacrifices. That's where uh, they would offer sacrifices for their sin. And, and all of the things were really surrounded by the tabernacle. When, when the Babylonians came in and sacked uh, Jerusalem and, and destroyed all of that, uh, the Jews no longer had a temple. 
and, uh, and it would be quite some time before they would. And so uh, what I imagined that they would do is they started just meeting. And history would tell us that they started meeting at houses. And what would they do? They'd go over the Old Testament law. They'd teach it. They'd read it. They'd focus on it. And uh, out of that uh, came the idea of synagogues where they would continue to teach, though they did not have access to the temple, though they did not have a temple, they did want to maintain a connection with the Old Testament law and with all of their Jewish uh, religious beliefs. And so then they would gather and it would be a place of Old Testament teaching. And Paul would frequent these places to show from the Old Testament that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember, they didn't have a New Testament. Uh, all they had was the Old Testament books. They had uh, Genesis uh, all the way through, uh, through Malachi, and they did, probably didn't have them in those, that order either. Uh, but they had those Old Testament, and, and it wasn't a flip book, you know. I mean, uh, they had scrolls, and so uh, they'd go in, and they'd pull the scroll, and they would read from that, and they would teach, and there would be a lot of teaching. Well, Paul, in his pursuit for souls, would say, man, you know where I'm going to go start? I'm going to go start with, with people who believe that there's one God. I mean, the Jewish people. I find it very fascinating. When I went to Israel, I, I thought, it's really weird talking to people who believe the Old Testament. I mean, they believe it. They're, they're, they are in. I mean, they, Abraham, that's their uh, great, 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 super great father. Uh, they believe all those, those uh, stories in the Old Testament, just like we do. But they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And so Paul's like, they have half of the truth. That's the people I'm going to go to and give them the other half of the truth, that of Jesus Christ. Because the majority of their ideas are all settled in the Word of God. They just didn't cross the line and understand that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. So the Apostle Paul would go into those synagogues and he would dispute with those Jewish people. And listen, I'm not advocating that we run around disputing with people, okay? Understand that. Uh, but understand, too, the position that Paul was in. Understand the times of that time uh, were certainly a transitional time when the New Testament was not, uh, was not complete. And so I'm not advocating tonight that we go into other churches and that we would dispute with those people. Uh, but I want you to notice this about the Apostle Paul, that he was passionate and in pursuing souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did go to the, his Jewish brethren. He did go to the people that he was concerned about. And so he went to those synagogues. Notice this in verse number 8. The Bible says, And spake boldly. Listen, if we're going to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ, it requires that we open our mouth. I believe in, in having a good testimony. I believe in living right. I believe in, in, in doing what is right and that people will see those things and note those things. But listen, there are a group of people that say, hey, you ought to just live right and always do right and that's enough. No, no. No, the Bible tells us very clearly that we have to open our mouth, that we have to speak. That we have got to let people know that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, shed his precious blood for them, and that he, that he, he was buried and that he arose again from the dead. And listen, if we do not tell them, who is going to tell them? 
And the reality is, Paul opened his mouth and he spoke with them and, and he let people know that Jesus Christ was, is the Son of God. Hey, listen, uh, we have got to convince other people. We've got to let other people know. We've got to be vocal about our faith. Uh, don't be afraid of, of letting people know that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Listen, we need to be talking with others. The Apostle Paul uh, spoke up. Not only that, but notice this in verse number, uh, verse number 8 there. It says for three months, but look down with me in verse number 10. And this continued by the space of two years. Notice this. So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. The Apostle Paul kept going. We don't find, the Bible doesn't tell us here if he had any fruit in those two years. He may have, he may not have. But the reality is he continued and continued and continued and continued and was faithful in witnessing. Hey, listen, if you witness and you witness and you witness and you get discouraged because people are not getting saved or this or that, understand there's two groups of people here that the Apostle Paul witnessed to. He witnessed to the, uh, to the um, disciples of John the Baptist and we find, wow, they were open to everything that he he said, uh, you want us to be rebaptized? Fine, we'll be rebaptized. And boom, everything went smoothly. But then he went to the Jewish people. And it did not go very smoothly. You go back and read verse 8. You'll find uh, verse 9, rather, that, hey, uh, when the thing was hardened and that the people wouldn't listen to him and the people refused to believe him, and the more he advocated for Jesus Christ, the more they dug in and said, no, he was not. And they resisted what the Apostle Paul said. What did Paul do? Get discouraged, go home, give up, quit, say, well, you know, I guess this ain't working. No, he continued. Oh, he changed places. Yeah, he went to the school of Tyrannus versus being in the synagogues. But Paul did not get discouraged in what he was doing, but rather said, hey, I am going to continue. And the Bible says for two years he ministered there in Ephesus. Hey, listen, sometimes it takes time to reach people. Uh, the, the, disciples, uh, had, the, the disciples of John the Baptist had heard some of this. I, I put down here, uh, how long does it take to pick an apple? Well, maybe about 10 seconds. Bloop. Okay, less than 10 seconds. And listen, somebody can get saved that quickly if the base is all laid. You understand that? Somebody else had worked with these people. John the Baptist had already plowed up the ground. John the Baptist had already labored with these people. And it was not until uh, years later the Apostle Paul came by and said, Christ, He's come. He's already come and He's died and He rose again from the dead and He ascended up into heaven. And you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, not in the name of John the Baptist, because Jesus Christ is the Savior. And so they automatically, I mean, the Bible leads us to believe that was all pretty rapid and that they're like, well, yeah, okay, that all makes sense. We understand that. We know we need to be baptized. So you know what? We're going to be baptized. And they were. But then for two years, 
He is preaching and he is persuading and he is uh, doing the best he can with all the Old Testament texts that he can pull out to turn these, uh, these, Jewish, uh, believe, these Jewish people, not believers, not believers in Christ, but believers in Judaism, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're like, no, nothing doing. And Paul didn't make headway per se in all of this. But notice in verse number 10, and this continued by the space of two years. Notice the second part. So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. In two years time, the Apostle Paul was renowned in all of that area. For why? For preaching the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, in Maslin, hey, there's people that need the Lord. Hey, I, I, I don't want to be known as, as a, a church that's picketing and a church that's doing all this, but I want to be known as a church that's witnessing and talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to be rude with people. But the reality is we do need to talk to people. We do need to let people know that, that Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross of Calvary to save them from their sins. And, and we ought to be witnessing and letting other people know. And the Apostle Paul was known all over Asia. The Bible says that, uh, that the Lord, the word of the Lord was known. Why? Because the Apostle Paul was there preaching. And listen, yeah, it might take uh, less than five seconds to pick an apple, but how long does it take to plant an orchard? Hey, it's not going to happen all overnight. You got to go out and you got you to dig that hole. If we're talking an orchard, you don't plow a field for an orchard. You just dig a hole and, and you get that tree and you get it planted there. And then, man, you water it and you weed it and you watch for bugs and you continually work with it as that, as that plant grows up and eventually it will bear fruit. And I'm just saying that the Apostle Paul labored there for two years in Ephesus and preached the gospel to those people. And so we see Paul's pursuit of souls. Notice the last part of the chapter in verses 11 through 20, we find Paul's persecution for service. Notice this in verse number 11, the Bible says, and Paul and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed um, from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Well, all these TV preachers want to get a hold of that handkerchief to sell. I tell you what, they'd be trying to turn a dime on that. I don't think the Apostle Paul was doing this for money. I don't think the Apostle Paul was doing it for a show. I don't even think the Apostle Paul had control over it. God was using the Apostle Paul in a mighty way. Why? Because the Apostle Paul was just faithfully preaching the Lord Jesus Christ wherever he went. And we find that uh, we find some special miracles uh, God was doing. It was not manufactured by man. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I'll be the first one to admit I cannot always explain how God works and why God does things the way he does. I've read the Bible through and through. I've read it from cover to cover. I read the Old Testament. There are things in the Old Testament that, that, that God, has, God did. Uh, God was, worked miracles. And, and I think to myself, I don't exactly know why God did all of those things. 
I can't always explain everything that God has done, but I do know this, that God will work as God wants to. And notice this in verse number 11. I find it fascinating that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Wait a minute, weren't Priscilla and Aquila there as well? But God didn't use them. What about all those disciples, that, those 12 that were uh, disciples of John the Baptist, that were uh, baptized and, and received the Holy Ghost? God didn't do special miracles by them either, not that the Bible says. And so I'm saying that God did take and use uh, the Apostle Paul in a very special way here. And notice there in verse number 12, it really gets good. I love this portion of the Scripture because the Bible says, um, not verse number 12, excuse me, you see all the evil spirits uh, that were cast out. But in verse number 13 is where that persecution starts. And this is the portion I've always found fascinating. Look with me in verse number 13. The Bible says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took, upon, took, them to call, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. You know what they were doing? They were making a mock of the Apostle Paul. They were making a mock of the ministry of God. And by the way, this is not the first time you remember when, uh, when God sent Moses into the land of Egypt and God used Moses and to prove that, God, that Moses was, was God's man, uh, he allowed Moses to do some miracles. And, and so he cast down the serpent and, and it, or the stick and it turned into a serpent. And, uh, and, and all those others, you ever read that, uh, those magicians of Pharaoh, they also had sticks. They also cast them down. They also turned into serpents. It's kind of amazing. But I love it because Moses' serpent swallowed them all up. Then he picked it back up. <laughs> they were stickless and Moses had to stick. They try to make a mock of what God does. And listen, this is not a new battle. This battle has been going on for thousands of years since the Garden of Reed in, in all reality. And I'm reminded of the fact that, listen, uh, we are in a spiritual battle. Notice in verse number 12 uh, that, that, listen, the evil spirits went out of those people. Hey, listen, this was a spiritual battle that was taking place here. And this was a work that God was doing through the Apostle Paul. And, and there's no doubt. Notice here in verse number 13 and 14, we'll read this again. Uh, they, well, the verse 13, we already read it. They, they brought some, some men that were uh, filled with evil spirits. And these uh, Jewish priests, nonetheless, were going to try and cast them out and, and kind of say, well, listen, the Apostle Paul can do it and we can do it because we're the servants of God. And they were really trying to, to uh, show that they were from God just as much as Paul. But notice what takes place in verse number 14. And there were seven sons, one of Shiva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. So this was a religious Jewish believer, a priest, not some uh, crazy guy, but a, a Jewish priest. And the Bible said, well, he was crazy because of what he did, but nonetheless, verse number 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Well, you talk about, you've got, God has a sense of humor. 
These guys thought, man, we're going to show that Apostle Paul. We're going to do the same thing that he's doing. After all, I mean, uh, the, the evil spirits are just going away by Paul, Paul's preaching and by God using the Apostle Paul in this place in Ephesus. And so the Jewish priests say, man, we're going to do the same thing. So they go and find themselves some, uh, some, uh, some, some evil-spirited people that have evil spirits in them. If you ask me, they were kind of dumb. They should have just picked some fakes, you know, phone like they had done in the past, that would have gone better for them. But they got some evil-spirited uh, people filled with evil spirits, brought them in and decided, hey, we're going to try and cast out the devils. And I love the devil's response. Jesus we know. Even the apostle Paul we know. But who on earth are you? It's in the Greek. You go back and read it. Who on earth are you? We don't know who you are. And then on top of that, they jumped on the, that priest and on his sons and beat them up and they fled out of the house, the Bible says, naked and wounded. There's a spiritual battle that is going on. Listen, those that mess with that kind of stuff that are lost, they have no idea what they're playing with. They have no idea the power of it. As Christians... We know you, you look and you can see. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've never in my life held a stick that I've thrown down on the ground and it became a serpent. I've never, I've never even come close, remotely close to seeing uh, some of the, the, the miracles that were done in the Bible. But yet lost people did them. You understand? And so how does that happen? Well, it happens by the power of Satan. He's powerful. And, and the Bible tells us that he does have power to do those things. And I'm just telling you that, that we do have a, a very powerful enemy. And, and notice this, that they were, uh, they were trying to imitate uh, the, the work of God so that other people would look at them and say, well, these, this guy is just as valid as the Apostle Paul. They were really kind of making fun of him. And we find that spiritual warfare that takes place as they're, they're trying to convince others. And I was reminded, even in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6 and verse number 12 the apostle Paul wrote this for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places and we need to understand listen lost people are not the enemy they're not they're confused the Bible calls them blinded the Bible calls them uh, as people who do not know, but they are not the enemy. The devil is. And we wrestle against wickedness, the Bible says, in high places. We need to understand, hey, other Christians are not the enemy. Sometimes we get, we get to thinking, well, other Christians are the enemy. No, the other Christians are not the enemy. Matter of fact, I'm often reminded of the verse when Jesus' disciples went out and they, they found somebody that was preaching and, and they rebuked them and they came back and said, uh, God, we found people that were not of us and, and we rebuked them. And Jesus said, uh, said, those that are not against us are for us or something of that nature. You have to go back and look it up. That's not a quote by any stretch. But that was kind of the idea that he said. And, and listen, the people out there that are, are not preaching right doctrine or other things are not our enemy. 
we don't agree with them, but they're not our enemy. And we have a responsibility to reach the people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and to teach people. The Apostle Paul could have lambasted the disciples of John and said, you can it's been three years. What is wrong with you people? You haven't heard that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, and rose again? You guys got all the doctrine wrong, and you've not even been baptized right, and, and you don't know anything that's going on. But the Apostle Paul didn't do that. He talked with them. He took an interest in them. He taught them. And listen, they accepted what he taught. And listen, they were willing to understand and realize the error of their way, or perhaps the misunderstandings that they had swallowed and said, hey, you know what? What this guy says is correct and it's accurate. Hey, listen, there are people out there. Matter of fact, there's a lot of people out there that are simply ignorant about the Word of God. And I'm not trying to be mean, but nobody's ever taught them the Word of God. And most people just don't know about the Word of God. And we have to have a responsibility to teach other people. The Apostle Paul took time and he taught those disciples. He took and he spent time even disputing with the Jews in the synagogues and trying to convince them, hey, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. All the way to the point that they actually persecuted him and made fun of him and mocked him to their own demise. But nonetheless, it is a start of some of the persecution that Paul did face there. And understand that spiritual warfare is real. Listen, we need to pray and walk with God. Notice in all of this, look with me in verse 20. Well, let's, let's kind of jump in here. Well, they left in verse number 16. They were wounded. Jump in in verse 17. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Verse number 20, So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. You know why? The Apostle Paul was passionate for sincere people. He pursued souls. Some got saved. Some, some were, were made right. Other people rejected him and mocked him. But listen, even in the mockery, even in the rejection, the word of God grew. Hey, listen, don't get discouraged when people reject what you say. Don't get discouraged if people turn down a gospel track when you try to give it to them. Don't, don't be discouraged when, when people don't do what is right. Because understand, even though they don't accept it, it doesn't annul our responsibility to continue to give it. And where this person may reject today, this person may accept tomorrow. And this person, 10 years down the road, may accept the Word of God. Or maybe several years as the, the disciples of John the Baptist finally got straightened out years after he had paved the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And what I'm saying is sometimes ministry takes time. And it's not always easy. And it's not always uh, straightforward. And we need to be patient. We need to be loving. And we need to pursue souls for the cause of Christ. And understand that sometimes you will face rejection. Sometimes people will turn you down. Sometimes people will reject what you're saying. But we need to be passionate about pursuing souls. That's what the Apostle Paul does, did in Ephesus. So we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Are we passionate about pursuing souls, even in the face of persecution? Father, I pray that you'd help us And God, it's not always going to be easy, and people are not always going to believe what we say, and sometimes people will reject us and turn down the Word of God, and sometimes they'll even mock us and make fun of us and persecute us. But God, I pray that you'd help us to be as steadfast as the Apostle Paul was, as unmovable as the Apostle Paul was, and God, to continue being a witness, being a testimony. And God, if we witness and if we be a testimony everywhere we go to the people we run into, God will see results. And if nothing else, your name will be known throughout our town, throughout our area. God, that's what we want. We want your name to be propagated. We want you to be lifted up. We want you to be preached among all people. Father, we'll thank you for that. I pray, Father, that you'd speak to our hearts, help us, encourage us, embolden us to be witnesses. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. As the piano begins to play, the altar's open. Maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe you just want to pray for somebody. Maybe you've got somebody on your heart or on your mind. You've worked on them. You've, you've witnessed to them. You've prayed for them. Maybe you just want to spend time praying for that person. Not everyone's going to get saved right away. Some people will make fun of you. Some people will mock you. But we ought to be working laboring, witnessing, praying.